Thanks for downloading or purchasing this sermon from Christchurch Forward. To find out more, visit forwardchurch.co.uk or join us on Sundays. The reading is taken from Colossians chapter 2, beginning at verse 16, and it's on page 1183 of the Church Bibles. Freedom from Human Rules Therefore, do not let anyone judge you by what you eat or drink, or with regard to a religious festival, a new moon celebration, or a Sabbath day. These are a shadow of the things that were to come. The reality, however, is found in Christ. Do not let anyone who delights in false humility and the worship of angels disqualify you. Such a person also goes into great detail about what they have seen. They are puffed up with idle notions by their unspiritual mind. They have lost connection with the head from whom the whole body, supported and held together by its ligaments and sinews, grows as God causes it to grow. Since you died with Christ to the elemental spiritual forces of this world, why, as though you still belong to the world, do you submit to its rules? Do not handle, do not taste, do not touch. These rules, which have to do with things that are all destined to perish with use, are based on merely human commands and teachings. Such regulations, indeed, have an appearance of wisdom, with their self-imposed worship, their false humility, and their harsh treatment of the body. But they lack any value in restraining sensual indulgence. This is the word of the Lord. Thank you, Janet, very much. Hello, everyone. Uh, good to be with you. My name's Matthew. If you're here visiting today, or, um, or a newcomer, uh, I'd love to say hello to you on the way out. Do, um, do hang around for, uh, uh, for a chance to chat. Please keep your Bibles open, page 1183, Colossians chapter 2. Let's pray. Our Father in heaven, thank you so much for all the things we've been learning about Jesus Christ in us. Please help us today to understand more and more about what that means for how we live. Please guide us by your Spirit now. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen. As we begin, I'd love you to think about uh, what sort of expectations people have for you and how you live your life. Young people, maybe it's your parents and the expectations they have for you. Maybe they expect you to do a certain amount of jobs around the house, the washing up, the hoovering, uh, that sort of thing. Maybe it's expectations at school. You wear your uniform, you be on time, you do your homework. Students, perhaps it's uh, slightly different expectations at university. There's the formal ones that you must attend your classes and, and go to these extra things like your unconscious bias training. Or maybe it's your informal expectations uh, from other students that you'll be having the time of your life or uh, you'll be trying lots of new things. Maybe it's expectations at work, certain vision statements to conform to, or a workload that there's such a pressure on us to meet 
We could go through all sorts of areas of life, couldn't we? And consider the expectations upon us. Some we like, some we don't. Some we'll meet, some we won't. There'll be different things for different people, but almost always there are expectations placed on us. Well then, what expectations, if any, are there on us as Christians? What expectations, if any, are there on us as Christians? What things might be required of us, presumed of us? What sort of things come to mind, I wonder? Things to do with behavior. Don't do this. That's not right for Christians, but do do this. Things of religious practice, special services, special times of year. Or things of religious experience. All Christians should feel like this, or everyone's Christian story should include this. For the time being, I'll I'll leave those things blank. You can fill them in. But the question today is, should we have expectations on us as Christians? What do you think? Yes? No? Maybe? Don't know? But then, what if people are putting expectations on us which we don't think are valid? How should we feel then? How should we respond? These are the questions that we'll be thinking about today. Now, we've had two weeks away from Colossians, uh, you remember, so let me remind you where we're up to uh, in the book. The big idea of Colossians is that real growth is by growing up in Jesus. Our key verses were 2 verses 6 and 7. We must stick with Jesus. 2 verse 8 then told us that we were not to be led astray by other ideas which are in contrast to Christ. And that contrast is then what the rest of the chapter is about. Verses 9 to 15 Describe one half of the contrast, that is Christ and all the fullness that we have in him. Uh, Fullness of life, fullness of forgiveness, it's all there in Christ. But then in verse 16, our section now, it's the other half of the contrast. The things which might deceive us and lead us astray. And I think it is misplaced expectations. So our question today is, what expectations are there on us as Christians? I presume, though, there might be some here who are not Christians. Uh, There usually are, and this might sound a bit all in-house to you. Which rules should we keep? Which ceremonies should we keep? But I really hope that through all of this, you'll be able to see the key central gospel message of the fullness that we have in Jesus Christ, and we're trying to work out what it means for how we live. If you've got questions, please come and ask them afterwards. We've got three points today. The first one is this. Rules and ritual only if pointing to Christ. Rules and ritual only if pointing to Christ from verses 16 and 17. Therefore, do not let anyone judge you by what you eat or drink or with regard to a religious festival, a new moon celebration or a Sabbath day. These are a shadow of the things that were to come. The reality, however, is found in Christ. In the Old Testament, there were lots of rules 
and rituals, weren't there? Verse 16 is talking about those sorts of things. Rules about what to eat and drink. Don't eat pork. That's the famous one, but there's lots of others. Things like don't eat shellfish. But there's things not about food as well. Uh, Things about clothes, houses, sicknesses, work, society. Lots of rules from the Old Testament. Then there's all this ritual as well from the Old Testament, such as annual festivals, uh, monthly celebrations with the new moon, uh, weekly Sabbath-keeping. And in Colossae, there were Gentiles, non-Jewish people, who'd become Christians, and they'd been told that they don't need to worry about those things. The trouble, though, is that there was a sense of being judged by the Jewish Christians who still did all those things. And Paul's point is again, don't worry, don't listen. Let any judgment from others just wash over you. Because everything you really need is found in Jesus Christ. That's been the message of Colossians. Does this mean, though, that there really is no place for rules and ritual anymore? Because it seems that in Christianity, we've hung on to a fair few, haven't we? Rules-wise, we think about not getting drunk, being faithful to our spouse, not lying. Look, we've still got the Ten Commandments. Ritual, we do the Lord's Supper. We're taking the Lord's Supper today. That's a form of ritual. Uh, We celebrate Christmas and Easter as annual festivals. Some make a big deal of Advent and Lent. And meeting every week on a Sunday, that's a form of ritual, isn't it? Seems we've not done a very good job at cutting them all away. Well, what was the purpose of rules and ritual in the Old Testament? Verse 17, it was to point forward to Jesus, to be a shadow of the things to come. Shadows take the shape of something, don't they? But they're not the real thing. They have no substance. Well, these were like shadows of Jesus. They they were not the real thing. They were pointing forward to where the reality was found in him. So, for example, you take all those rules. They were setting this pattern for what the holy life might look like, but the fullest holy life that was seen in Jesus. Or you take some of the the ritual things, the festivals, like the Day of Atonement, an annual celebration, the big thing they did, well, that was pointing forward, making it very clear that in Jesus we'll need a sacrifice. It was all getting everyone ready for Jesus. So do we need rules and ritual anymore? Strictly speaking, no. Because we can come straight to Jesus in faith. And we can live by the law of love. We can follow his example. We don't need anything else, strictly speaking. But it's clear in the rest of the Bible that there is still a place for some of those rules and ritual if they operate like those Old Testament shadows in clearly pointing to Jesus. Many children enjoy uh, models, many adults enjoy models as well, like model planes, model cars. And, uh, and I think these things, they stir up excitement, don't they, in having your own car one day or going on a plane. Many of us like getting a map, a map before going on holiday. Why do you get it early? So that you can look and you can get excited and you can think about what's to come. 
They point forwards. But if you come around my house, you'll find that there are still models of planes and cars because we quite like them. And there are still maps of places that we've been, some of them up on our walls. And it's not because I'm content with just the map or the model, but they work as wonderful reminders of those places that we have been. So rules and ritual, in a similar way, they can be a means of God's grace to us if they lead us to appreciate Jesus more and strengthen our faith in him though they'd be damaging if we were settling just for them. I heard an interesting rule the other day. It was Bible before phone. This writer I was reading was saying that they will not look at their phone in the morning until they first read their Bible. Now that's a rule that they have set for themselves. And I think it could be beneficial, couldn't it? Because it directs them daily to Jesus in the word and makes him the priority. And communion, this ritual that we'll do later today, Jesus told us to do it as a way of remembering him. But it's no good if it's not full of faith. So is there any expectation on Christians with respect to rules and ritual? For many things, no. For some things, maybe. For other things, yes, but only if it points us unquestionably to Jesus. If not, then they can become a danger to us. And if you land differently to someone else on some of these things, don't feel judged. And don't judge them, but be concerned about whether you are both, each, looking first and foremost to Jesus Christ. So rules and ritual, only if pointing to Christ. Secondly, and similarly, discipline and experience only if connected to Christ. Verses 18 and 19, discipline and experience only if connected to Christ. Verse 18, do not let anyone who delights in false humility and the worship of angels disqualify you. Such a person also goes into great detail about what they have seen. They are puffed up with idle notions by their unspiritual mind. They have lost connection with the head from whom the whole body, supported and held together by its ligaments and sinews, grows as God causes it to grow. Previously, it was being judged by others. Here, it's similar, but it's slightly different. It's being disqualified. That's a step up, isn't it? You're not a real Christian. You can't join with us. That would be hard, wouldn't it? We hate being excluded. I remember at junior school suddenly being uh, thrown out from the gang. I remember at senior school not being invited to a party everyone else was going to. These are scarring memories. Exclusion is hard. And it can cause us to change our principles, can't it? Here it's over issues of personal discipline and religious experience. The personal discipline idea... Uh, it comes from the expression there, false humility, in verse 18. This is, this is a tricky expression. Uh, it's a tricky word in the Greek. Uh, some translations use the word asceticism. You might have that in your Bible. That's not much more helpful. I had to look that up as well. <laughs> verse 23 was the most helpful thing, I thought. 
There in verse 23, false humility is there again, but it's combined with self-imposed worship and harsh treatment of the body. So those together, they paint this picture of living my life in a disciplined, uh, deliberately humble, lowly way. And it is connected with the rules idea, setting strict rules for how I will behave. So it might be my wake-up time and my diet and the time I spend reading the Bible and and the time I spend praying and and that I'm going to evangelize to someone every day. You know, it's... um, it's, it's this sort of thing, personal discipline. The other half is religious experience. Back in verse 18, this comes from the idea of uh, worship of angels. And then it goes on to talk about people uh, talking lots about what they've seen. So here we've got the idea of visions, messages from angels, words from God. I guess we could throw in miracles and healings. All special religious experiences. Now, some people might suggest that these are made up, but we've got no grounds to presume that here. The trouble, though, is that it seems people are being disqualified as Christians for lack of personal discipline or religious experience. And that is not okay. It's not okay because... All that really makes you a Christian, as we've been seeing through Colossians, is Jesus Christ and being in Him. Again, isn't there a place for discipline? Isn't there a place for religious experience? Yes. The Bible says, train yourself in godliness and seek the gifts of the Spirit, but only if it's tied tightly to Jesus Christ. Just look at the problem, verse 18. They've become puffed up by these things. They've become proud of their discipline or their experience. Verse 19, they've lost connection with the head. That's Jesus. They've got a big head, but they're disconnected from the head. So though these things have a place, we know that it's only with Jesus that real growth comes As a Christian, substantial, solid growth. Without Jesus, these things just puff you up. Now, many of us will have daily disciplines, perhaps in Bible reading and prayer. Maybe you say 15 minutes a day or uh, or 30 minutes, you know, and that could be a really useful thing. But it could also become the thing by which we judge how well we're doing as a Christian. If we're on a good run, we're feeling great about things. I'm doing well as a Christian. Maybe we're a little puffed up. Some of us will have had a special religious experience at a Christian festival or in a summer camp or in a a church service or just on your own and you felt you heard the word of God. Or maybe a miracle happened in your life. These can be wonderful things. But they could also become the defining moment in your Christian life. And that wouldn't be okay. Paul, who uh, wrote the letter to Colossians, he told us that he spoke in tongues and he had visions, but he wouldn't talk about them because he wouldn't let them define him. So for us, where's our authenticity as a Christian? It must be only faith in Jesus.
Are there any expectations for us with respect to discipline or experience? Not really, no requirement. They can just be good things if they draw us closer to Christ. And when others impose those expectations on us, don't worry about it. Don't worry about what people are saying. For some of us, this might be when we gather in um, uh, Christian unions, maybe at school or at university, uh, and there are mixes of Christians there, aren't there? And we naturally compare with one another, and we, we get envious of others. It will be hard to say when someone else has had that experience that it's okay for me not to. It doesn't matter. It's hard to be different, but we need to be confident enough in Jesus Christ, our Savior. Discipline and experience only if connected to Christ. And then thirdly, without Christ, human effort has no value. This is the rest of the section from verses 20 to 23. Without Christ, human effort has no value. Since you died with Christ to the elemental spiritual forces of this world, why, as though you still belong to the world, do you submit to its rules? Do not handle, do not taste, do not touch. These rules, which have to do with things that are all destined to perish with use, are based on merely human commands and teachings. Such regulations indeed have an appearance of wisdom with their self-imposed worship, their false humility, and their harsh treatment of the body, but they lack any value in restraining sensual indulgence. They must remember that as Christians, they have died to the old way of doing things. Elemental spiritual forces of this world, it's another interesting expression. It came up in 2 verse 8. Some of your versions might say basic principles of this world. Uh, What does it mean? Well, it's a term for the way that humans approach religion and worship. All humans worship in one way or another. Uh, There are many religions in this world. Even atheism is a a form of religion. It's a, a worship of self or a worship of nature. So there's many religions, and they all generally take the same form It's us doing stuff. It's us at the center. And it's all led by these same elemental spiritual forces. It's a combination of traditions that we pick up from the world around us and desires that come from within us in our human nature and I guess also the leading of the devil. And together it comes out always in a form of human action, human rules, Religions and cultures all over the place embrace these with expectations on how we're meant to live. Very often, things like verse 21, do not handle, do not taste, do not touch. But as Christians, we've died to this, this old way of doing things, the human way. Now we are united with Jesus and we do things his way. Do you remember two weeks ago when Pete was talking on this? uh, This idea of unity with Christ. He used the aeroplane illustration. Are you in the plane? The trainees in the video had the minibus video. Are you in the minibus? And the point was, if we are in Christ, 
what happens to Jesus happens to us. He died, so we died. He rose, so we rose. So we're now a new person doing things God's new way. And the question then for us here is, why do we keep going back, defaulting back to the human way of doing things? And I think it's because the old is still hanging around in us. We're still physical. We want physical things to do. Uh, Christ is risen and in heaven, but we can't see him. It's hard for us to engage with him. So we want to do something, have something that we can hold on to. This is the appeal of these sorts of things. So, so when we have that ongoing sin in our lives, we want to do something about it. We want to, want to solve it like we'd solve anything else. So we come up with strategies and plans and new resolutions. And we default back to rule setting. Do not handle, do not taste, do not touch. But it's the old way. Now, just to say, I don't know what this means um, in, in lots of situations. I don't know what it means in parenting. Uh, the other day, I was trying to fix this little wooden thing for Catherine. And, um, and my twin boys came running over. And I was sat there trying to fix this thing. And they kept trying to grab stuff, you know, grabbing the wooden thing, do not touch. And then, and then grabbing the glue, do not touch. And just grabbing me, I was like, do not touch, just get away. And I was covered in, covered in, um, in super glue. Uh, <laughs> And then they, uh, they drift off from me and they go into the kitchen and my wife's just taking something out of the tray and the very first thing I hear, don't touch that! I don't know what this means for parenting. Uh, you can ask Andy and Paula. But look, I think in the Christian life, we just default back to setting rules for ourselves. Many of you will know sort of examples of this. Uh, some of you will have heard of Covenant Eyes for controlling what we can look at on the internet. Some of you will have put uh, extra credit card controls on your credit card to limit your spending. I know people who make vows to only speak truthfully and kindly. These seem wise. But really, they're just human things. And end of verse 23, they don't actually work. Too many lads I've known set up covenant eyes but just find ways around it when they want to look at porn. Without Christ, human effort has no value. Changing our hearts is the work of God. And that comes by knowing Jesus more and appreciating the depths of what he's done for us and the wide application of his gospel to our whole lives. How that works will be developed more in chapter 3, but the basic point is thinking and knowing and loving Jesus more. That is where our change will come from. So friends, this could connect to any addictive sins in our lives. It could be things like gambling, or alcohol, or drugs, or food, or shopping, or it could be those destructive ways of thinking, anxiety, and comparisons, envy, and greed, self-loathing, fear of man, love of looks. How will we stop and control these things? 
How will we grow as a Christian? What's our plan? Well, we might suggest new rules, new resolutions. Or some people, though perhaps a little less common uh, amongst us maybe, it might be a deeper religious experience. That's what you need. Or more ritual, more ceremony. Well, whatever our solution, in the end, if it's just human effort, it won't work. All growth comes from Christ and knowing him more. So as we close, what's expected of Christians? Not really rules and ritual and and discipline and experience, but a passionate desire to know Jesus more. All the other stuff will just be caught up in that. Friends, ours is not a burdensome religion. Ours is all about life flowing out from one man, our Lord, our Savior, our hero, our friend, Jesus Christ. If this is new to you, please, you need to know about him. If it's not new to you, it's not actually any different though, is it? We need to know more about Jesus. He's everything to us. Let's pray. Our Father in heaven, thank you so much for Jesus. We're very sorry when we still try to do things in the old human way and we try to take back control and and find growth in our own strength. Please fill our hearts with joy and knowledge and appreciation of Jesus and then please bring those changes about in us. Please bring us to maturity. Help us to live a life worthy of your calling as we know Jesus more. Please help us to grow up in him. For each one of us, whatever that means this week and today, please, Lord, put that on our hearts and please help us to stick with him. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen.